Ghost Towns. The new album, First Last Time, out now. Get First Last Time now anywhere you get your music. Ghost Hounds, First Last Time, out now. Look for Ghost Hounds on tour in 2024. Stay tuned. The United States Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization. Border Patrol agents enjoy great pay, outstanding federal benefits, and up to $20,000 in recruitment incentives for newly appointed agents. If you are looking for a way to serve something greater than yourself, consider the United States Border Patrol. Learn more online at cbp.gov careers slash USBP. That's cbp.gov careers slash USBP. Hi, welcome to the Kelly Christina Show, thought leaders of our American in industries. Um, so these episodes are dedicated to some dynamic leaders and bosses in various industries. And today I'm honored to introduce Jeff Barker um, from Chamberlain Steakhouse. Um, Jeff Barker is the director of operations for Chamberlain's, um, a known restaurant lobbyist. He has a little over 50 years in the restaurant and hospitality industry and uh, also spent some years as the president of the restaurant industry. Welcome, Jeff Barker. Glad to be here. Jeff, I would love it if you could tell our viewers um, about your background. Well, I started in this business as a child. Uh, my father passed away when I was 11 years old <clears throat> and uh, I went to work when I was 12. And so that would have been 1972. I've, uh, I just felt this overwhelming need to go to work. Um, you know, I'm an only child. My father passed away. There was a restaurant that was at the high school, which I not, was not in, had an ad for, you know, wanting help. I was kind of a big kid. I went down there in 1972, applied and got hired. And I've been at it ever since, over 50 years. That is absolutely amazing. You are definitely a restaurant baby and you just stuck with it. Um, and a leader for the industry that I admire. Um, so if I ask you why you picked a restaurant in hospitality, do you know? Well, you know, I knew as a kid going out with my parents and stuff like that, that I really, really enjoyed the environment. It was something that you could work at and still go to school. It was important. I was a student at the time. I literally would bring my books to the, a booth in the afternoon and do my homework in the restaurant. Then we had a family meal at this restaurant and then I would work and I worked five nights a week, sometimes till two in the morning back at school at eight o'clock. So I just, it was a business that I could go to school and work in and have fun. I love it. All right. Um, and uh, I wanted to know a little bit more about, I know you were the president of the restaurant association. Uh, association. Um, so what were your responsibilities, Jeff? What did you do out there? Well, it was a few years ago. I was the president of the Greater Dallas Restaurant Association. That is now called the Dallas branch of the Texas Restaurant Association. You chair the board of directors, which is about 30 volunteer restaurateurs and vendors. You work on culinary education. We raise money for culinary students all over the state of Texas. Um, we also uh, did political action committee work, and I lobbied in Austin every other year as sessions every two years, and went to Washington, D.C. on my own, my own dollar, eight years in a row to lobby for restaurant uh, things. 
So if I ask you what, what you lobbied, probably various laws, but what else? Yeah, various laws. Things from you know roof depreciations for people that own restaurant buildings to ADA legislation so a restaurateur that wouldn't get sued first, allow them to make their changes to their facility that mm -hmm. violated any federal law before the lawsuit, and then you know allow them to fix it before you get sued. Those kind of things I was passionate about. Okay. Pretty sure you know every restaurant owner out there too. <laughs> I know I know a lot of them. Dallas has gotten big. It's a much bigger city now. But you know, it, 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 you know, when you're the when I was the president of the Restaurant Association, I knew I, almost all of them. Yeah. Very amazing. Um, so you're my ex boss, I am. and I certainly enjoyed uh, working at Chamberlain's um, Fish Market. Um, probably over maybe 10 years ago. Correct. Um, but I would love uh, to talk about, because uh, you do keep a lot of long-term employees on your staff. And um, so uh, Richard Chamberlain, yourself as the Director of Operations, what do you believe with employee culture and staff? Well, as you know, here we are. We're still friends. You worked for me many years ago. So that, that says something right there. Um, you know, it's a, a culture of family, um, not corporate. We wanted to always have sort of the individual owner operated type feel. We felt like it was important to, you know, make sure family came first for people. We've loaned money, raised money for people that have gotten into a bind or had a health problem. We've, uh, you know, we close on Christmas Day and Thanksgiving Day and New Year's Day and Fourth of July and these very monumental holidays that people want to spend with their family and we know that the corporate world of restaurants would have people working a double on Christmas and and Thanksgiving because people want to go out for on those days but we feel it's important to allow the employees to have you know their family time so it's a family culture but we still have policies and procedures that keep us in you know very professional so and uh, and you say professional um, policies and procedures because that's always important in operations. Correct. Um, but uh, your culture, uh, you know, not all restaurants can keep the employees like Chamberlain. So it's very amazing. Well, we, we allow people to express themselves in the way they want. I mean, you, you know, we, we're not robotic, as, as you know, you, you work for me. We don't tell you how to greet your table and and how to make your connection with your guests as long as you're connecting with your guests as a server and or a bartender, then you know that's what's important to me. If they're coming back and they're asking for you, then you're doing something right and we're doing something right by allowing you to kind of do it on your own. Right, and I agree with you and I, uh, this is your interview, but I do remember um, special occasions, um, yourself and Richard Chamberlain really making um, the holiday special occasions right over the top for the employees and I'm always going to remember that. Oh, thank you. Um, so as a director of operations, uh, JB, um, what are your challenges being such a uh, reputable steakhouse in Dallas? And um, how, do you, how do you balance your schedule? Well, you work a lot. I mean, I, I mean, you just really do. People don't really understand it. I, I work every day, seven days a week, at least 12 hours every day. I mean, I wake up at eight, I'm at my desk in my home office, uh, and then I'm in the restaurants at least until eight. If I'm not in the restaurant, like last night I was at a big catering, I'm off property doing work for the restaurant, or I'm lobbying for the restaurant, or I'm advertising or promoting, or just uh, answering the phone and taking reservations on my phone for customers that have known me for the 30 years that we've had Chamberlain's. Yeah, I mean, um, definitely um, 
Do we have any restaurants that have beat Chamberlain's on years of business? I know you're right up there. Well, there's a handful of restaurants that have been around for a while. I think Javier's has been around for a little while. Chamberlain's has been around. I mean, there's Dunstan's, but really there's only a handful of full service, white tablecloth, you know, nice restaurants that have lasted this 30 years that we've lasted. I mean, it's not, we're, we're a, it's a small group now. And I love it. So we started to talk about this, but I'm going to ask you again, because sure. I've always admired uh, how many uh, company owners, restaurant company owners out there that you've worked for. And I'm going to ask you about your uh, lobbyist work uh, again. Okay. Um, any more details on um, how do you represent the restaurant industry? Well, it starts by, you know, when you're with the restaurant industry, they're, they're very helpful in setting up all your appointments when you go to lobby so you can get into a senator's office or a, con a congressman's office. Um, and then, you, you know, what your passion is, you usually go in with, with a group, two or three or four or five people. Um, and then if your passion is politics or your passion is education or your, pa you know, your passion is something else, then, then that's what they want you to study. They the issues that are affecting the restaurant and, and what you're passionate about. Mine happened to be politics. I'm very, I'm a political guy, a kind of a political junkie. And I, you know, studied that. And I, you know, that's kind of what I felt was important to get uh, some of this legislation. You're never really going to win anything. It's just not get hurt. That's what you look at when you go into lobby. You're trying to make sure you don't, legislation doesn't happen. That's going to affect you in a negative way. You're rarely are going to change legislation. You might be able to stop some bad business legislation for a restaurant. And it doesn't matter what industry, you got to be careful on les, legis, legislation and laws. Oh, oh absolutely. Blah, blah. You, you do. You do. It's, it's really important. Some decisions are made that can really vastly, you know, change your your, your business model. If, if it, you know, it just can. There can be things that can come up that can, be, you know, really affect your business and the industry as a whole. So, as a group, you want to go and let the uh, let your representatives know how you feel about whatever legislation is in front of you. And it's, it's always, there's always, uh, you know, there's two sides of every coin. One side's just trying to keep the restaurants afloat. And, you know, we're the largest employer, I think, one of the largest employers of in, in, the, in America. Right. I mean, everybody, you know, is just one person off of a restaurant. You know, their their kids work in a restaurant or they did when they were growing up or, you know, whatever. It's, it's touched all of our lives. Hey, I wouldn't make it without the restaurant industry. <laughs> and if you think about it, hospitality entertains the entire country. It does. So very important uh, industry. Um, so uh, another great question I wanted to ask you about and something I noticed from working with you 10 years ago, um, yourself and, you know, celebrity uh, Richard Chamberlain, you guys right. have always been very big on supporting local communities. Right. Um, I know, uh, and I always admired um, with the fish market that we did something, a uh, charitable event for the homeless shelters. And I just want to ask you, I know that uh, business has changed up a little bit since the pandemic. Correct. Um, but what are your thoughts on making a difference in local communities? Well, you've got to give back to your community. You know, you, there's just no way you can be in a business for 30 years. At least we feel like you can't be in a business for, for 30 years. Richard Chamberlain, my business partner, and I are very uh, charity, you know, effective. I mean, we 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 love you know kids charities. Uh, we one that's really close to us. Our charity is American Heart Association. That's big. That's national. But we chair Code Decor. Richard's the lead chef. 
Um, that raises millions, five, six million dollars a year for heart research. Um, but on the local level, like Operation Kindness for pets, we have raised tons and tons and tons of product for Operation Kindness. They're, they're, we're doing a gala with them, doing a charitable giveaway with them. And then the Samaritan Inn in McKinney, which is a homeless shelter. Uh, I can't, you remember doing yes. all the food drives. We would fill up five or six pickup trucks full of tr food and take it up to McKinney for the, the homeless shelter, the tr transitional homeless shelter up there, right. which is really, really, uh, you know, just, it, it's a good feel. It's the right thing to do. Yeah, you do the right thing out there. Thank you. Um, but you definitely uh, are a leader on taking care of local communities and charities. So bravo to you. Thank, thank you very much. Thank you. Um, so JB, Jeff Barker, mm -hmm. uh, I started in restaurants when I was 15 myself. Back in the day when you could start 15, you started right. 12. Um, my first career was restaurant management. I have a hotel restaurant business degree. Um, and I know we share some, you know, similar thinking. Um, I feel like everybody out there in the entire country at some point should have to work, whether it's beginning career, mid or the end, um, the service industry, the tipped industry. Um, I think it's a great learning experience and an opportunity to learn what it's like to take care of the guests. What are your thoughts? Well, I agree with you. I think we talked about this a little yes. earlier. You know, if, if you, if you're working for tips, you're really working for the generosity of others. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you know, you need to really make these people feel like that they need to give you money out of their pocket for providing them with a service. I don't care if you're, you know, having somebody handle your bags in a hotel or you're at a waiter, you're, you're wait, it's your waiter in a restaurant or your bartender or your hairstylist, whatever that is. If you've worked for tips, you have a soft spot in your heart for those that work for tips. And there are millions of them in America that do that. And I just think it'd be beneficial for everybody. I think you feel the same way mm -hmm. that if they work for tips and they understood that you have to be nice and friendly and kind and go out of the way to make more money, to make somebody have a good experience or whatever you're doing, then they reward you with a little bit more tip money. And then, you know, it's a kind of a snowball. Yeah. And I agree. And, um, you know, the other thing is, is that, you know, when you're talking about tips, it's not just even the restaurants, it's the hotels, it's Uber, it's tax, you know, your taxis, it's our tipped hairstylist. Think about it. Think about it. You know, the, what is the tip percentage? Um, because if you've worked to that, then you do consider that um, where some people think, hey, I'll throw 10% on the table and I'll save money and you're actually not taking care of the other people out there that are working. Would you agree? I totally agree. There, you know, there are people that will just think a $5 tip is, is good at, regardless of the size of the guest check. Those people I can guarantee you have never worked for tips. No, they haven't. You would never tip somebody 5% or 3% or 10% if they gave you a good service in whatever they're doing, bartending, waiting, cutting your hair, driving an Uber. You can't be well taken care of and then not reciprocate and at least financially help those people out. It just doesn't work out. I agree. And um, I think that everybody should try to pay it forward in other industries and don't just walk out there thinking about yourself, right? That's correct. Absolutely correct. Um, so I know a lot of industries are still feeling the fallout of the pandemic. And I'm just kind of wondering, you know, as a leader um, for the restaurant industry, what kind of challenges um, are out there with um, our restaurants and, uh, you know, out there for the owners right now? Well, what I can tell you, you well, since the pandemic, there's, there was a large shift of people out of the industry. 
people couldn't, you know, restaurants were closed or they were down to 25% and you couldn't do anything but to go service, which you don't really need a big staff for. So we lost a lot of people to jobs that were data entry or things that you could do that weren't around the public. And they never, and some of those people never came back. I think the biggest challenge right now is supply chain issue. You cannot just go out and get any refrigeration unit you might want for your restaurant or any piece of equipment. I mean, you have to kind of take what's out there instead of the selections that we had pre-pandemic. Also product, you know, liquor, beer, wine. There are certain beverages, spirits that you cannot order or they're allocated. And this was not a problem before the pandemic. You just picked up, ordered what you needed and served it. Now you have to fight for it, beg for it, ask for it, you know, go over people's heads, do whatever it takes to fill your restaurant full of all the product you need. It's really challenging. Extra layers of work to get the traditional job done, it's right? A lot more work. I mean, you have to hunt down things that you used to be able to just make a click on your computer to buy. Now you have to hunt it down, find it, beg for it, and see if you can get what you need. And it's, you know, the, the harder you work, the more success you're gonna be at that. But it used to be you just came in and placed orders and things came in. That is not the case anymore, unfortunately. I feel like everybody's working about double double time every day just to get the normal level of business done. I th you're right. Now, people are having to work overtime and, you know, work work more than they were working before to get things done. Because, like I said, you could just click a click a key on your computer and order something. And now you have to kind of, you know, you might spend three hours tracking down something that used to be a two second project. And it is more difficult and it's more competitive and it's way more corporations, more big money is getting into these restaurants. And, and then, uh, you know, you have to stay competitive with those guys when you're a little guy like me. Well, you're the little big guy. Come on, Jeff Parker. <laughs> um, so just on a fun note. Sure. What do you like to do for fun when you're not at work? Well, I like fishing a whole lot. Okay. I fish a bunch. I, I was actually in the last six weeks I've been to Belize and to Rotan, Honduras fishing. Uh, but that's something that Richard and I do together. We have a, you know, we're partners in a little boat in South Texas. We like to go down and fish for redfish and trout. And, you know, that kind of gets you out of the restaurant. You cannot take a call when you're three miles off the coast of anywhere, uh, especially, you know, if you're waist deep in water catching fish. It makes you leave the restaurant behind. It makes you concentrate on what you're doing. And if you're out of town, they just have to take care of it while you're gone. You know, they, they you know, don't call me and tell me the restaurant's on fire. Call the fire department. You know, <laughs> that, that, that kind of thing. I'm, I'm fishing. So that's that. And then, I, you know, I enjoy my home. And, uh, you know, I've got a, a dog that I love to play with in the pool and, you know, the normal stuff like that. But, you know, when I get a chance to go fishing, I do. And that's, that's kind of what takes me to a good spot. Do you find it challenging with all of your responsibilities um, for balance of life? as a boss very it's very it's very hard especially the work-life balance um challenges it's i've been married for 35 years um you know but it, it uh you know i've certainly had to you know make real hard decisions and you know the restaurant has been kind of my other wife for all these years and you know i have to make a decision i mean one one pays all the bills and the other one spends all the money so <laughs> you have to you know you've got to do the right thing you know so which is it, it's hard that, that part's hard. I think that you're probably a winner on long-term stability in both workplace and marriage. Well, you know, it's uh, like I said, it, both of them take a lot of work and are huge commitments. And uh, yeah, it's, it's worked out. It's all good, right? Yeah, that's right.
So um, I just wanted to know, is, can you share with any strategic goals or plans for the future? You guys got anything new cooking? Well, you know, we have a, you know, we have a cigar lounge attached to which we've doubled the size of, which we have attached to our steakhouse. So we're always looking for ways to market these, both the, the restaurant side and the cigar lounge side. Um, we are we just signed a 10-year lease to extend our stay at Chamberlain's. Uh, I love it. And we've been there 30 years. We had our 30th anniversary, June 11th. And uh, Congratulations anyway. to the 30th anniversary. Thank you. We had that nine. Is, that's wow. We had 90 people come to this anniversary party, and there were dozens that were there the day we opened 30 years ago. So we've, not only, you know, we've maintained those customers. Pretty fun. And that's another point that I'd like to bring up. You have a lot of uh, return and long-term um, big middle, big names out at Chamberlain's. We do. Uh, would you agree? We do. That, that's what really has made it popular. You know, it's how we've been able to do this. Um, we love our customers. I mean, I, we're very like huggy, kissy, you know, very affectionate. Um, we, you know, we have them over to our homes. We. We, we have really developed relationships with people that are like family over the years. I mean, to have 90 people come to your anniversary party that have been coming around for you know, 25, 30 years, that's crazy. I mean, we could have invited more, but the room only held that many people. Um, it, it, we've developed some fantastic relationships with some really fantastic people. And it's really made our, you know, it makes the job more fun. When you know everybody in the dining room, it's fun walking around and seeing people and seeing what's been going on in their life over the last few days because they're they're return guests lots of them come often and it seems to me that you've kind of taken the family culture from chamberlain's and you passed it along to your long-term guest and that's what makes you thrive thank you yeah congratulations jb oh. uh, and chamberlain's on your 30 year anniversary thank you. thank you so much you're very much admired and wishing you guys an absolute beautiful year well thank you so much thanks for coming today it was my pleasure With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.